This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Brought to you by Scott's. Good morning, AM740. It is The Garden Show, and Charlie Dobbin is here live and in person and looking bright and cheery this morning. Well, thank you very much. And hello, Robbie. Hi. Haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. No, Frank is away today, so he's in St. Catharines. I was going to say, he's taking a lot of time off. Well, you know, at his age. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And and we can quote you on that. (laughs) Yes, you can, yeah. Well, I took some time off. I wasn't here last week. That's right. But I guess Frank was, so yes. we're kind of missing each other. Yeah. Um, I was away up, way up north, uh, Tomogamy, which is about an hour north of North Bay, uh, the land of blueberries and pine trees. Isn't that where your cottage is? That's right. Yes. Yeah. We have a very small little little cabin on a very small little island, and it was lovely. It was such a nice break. Oh, good. And like I say, blueberries, lots of blueberries. Were you eating them? Absolutely. Good. Pancakes, muffins, you know, just everything. It's like blueberry central. So that was a lot of fun. It's just a nice break. The, yeah, you need that. The sun was shining. The water. It's, Tomogamy is a huge lake and it's very deep and it rarely gets very warm because yeah. of the mixing and stirring of the water with all the wind and, you know, the depth of it all. It's a great fishing lake. I mean, that's what people really yeah. come from long ways away to fish there. But this year with the amount of sun, and I guess it's been reasonably calm as well, the temperature was unbelievable. It actually got up to 80 degrees at the one water? point. The water? The water. Holy smokes. I know. That's, so you must have been in that water a lot. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, we think 74 is warm up there, right? Yeah. You know, so I can't even do Celsius. When I'm in Tomogamy, I'm always in Fahrenheit mode. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it actually got to 80. Now, that was just for one afternoon, and then it went back down to 78, but still, like, almost that's, bath water. That's good, yeah. Oh, and it's lovely water. It's not just that horrible, you know, chlorinated, mineralized Beautiful, stuff. Beautiful, pure water. Oh, it's so soft, too. It's like it's like slippery. When you get out of the water, you, if you've washed your hair or something, it's like you're just slippery. Kind of slimy. Well, but it, but it's not <laughs> slimy. It's more just, it's almost like soap is still on you. Oh, I see But it's, it's soft water. It's amazing. It's beautiful water. We were joking about, you know bottling it or transporting it, bringing it down, filling a swimming pool with it because it's just the best. It's the nicest water. Well, just another business for you to get into. Exactly. Yeah. i got nothing else to do. No, absolutely. And, of course, the gardens are coming along beautifully. Yeah. Um, nice bunch of little rains we've had lately. Thank I, goodness. Well, you're absolutely right. And I'm happy to say there was rain at this neck of the woods, the southern Ontario. Yep. I didn't get a lot of rain up there. I'm also happy to say we got more sun than rain. But the, my garden has come a long ways while I was gone. Yeah, I bet. It's a lot fatter and juicier, and my mom and dad were having some fun <laughs> looking after it for me. <laughs> I kept hearing reports on how good the tomatoes were and everything else. So things are coming along in my garden. I hope everybody else is as well. Well, we'll find out today. We will. Maybe we should just do the numbers. Yes, in case let's do the numbers. haven't put them in there. If you're calling from uh, locally, it's 416-360-0740 or toll-free anywhere in Ontario at one 740 4740 And mm-hmm. call early, call often, and one question per call, please. Oh, man, are you cool? 
Yeah, memorize well, the mantra. Frankie told me to say that because <laughs> you know he calls himself Constable Proctor, or, you know, <laughs> yeah. Patrolman Proctor, keeping people in the straight and narrow. Uh, okay, just a co- couple of quick announcements. One is for tomorrow, so I think it's definitely worth mentioning. It sounds kind of fun. It's at the Royal Botanical Gardens. It's called a High Tea Concert. Mm. Okay, so if you like high tea, which frankly I love, if it's good, yeah. you know we're talking scones, cream, etc. At, this is in the Royal Botanical Gardens at 3 p.m. tomorrow. The high tea concert is Tragedy and Triumph, the McQuiston legacy. Now, I can't say I know much about this. There will be a pianist, a singer, some people reading. Now, what they're reading is the storybook tale of the McQuiston family, Tragedy and Triumph, script by Dr. Mary Anderson. Tickets are $40 each. Uh, $35 for seniors and $20 for students. There's no reserved section. You can buy tickets online at Triple W. Actually, it's Brought Music Festival presenting this. So Triple W Brought Music dot com or 905-525-7664. That sounds like a nice afternoon. It does. It's, yeah. I, it'd be really, and RBG, Royal Botanical Gardens is a really nice place to yeah. hang out. There's neat stuff always going on there. Um, marking your calendars for the future. Uh, these were sent to me, so I thought I would share them with you. Saturday, September the 10th, so that's a, a number of weeks away, the Asian Court Garden Club, which oh, is Robbie's local. Asian, my hometown. That's right. Asian Court Garden Club is hosting their annual flower and vegetable show from 2 until 4.30 on Saturday, September 10th. Of course, the location is, as usual, the Knox United Christian Education Centre at 2575 Midland Avenue, which is Midland and Shepherd. Right on the corner. That's right. Lots of free parking. And uh, Monday, September 12th, so two days later, the Asian Court Garden Club will be having their monthly meeting, and it'll be a photo display as well. So for anybody who's interested, from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. that evening, subject is perennials and the speaker is dawn tack so of course same location remember we're get summer is a hiatus the the horticultural societies and garden clubs take the summer off Mm -hmm. but they come back big time in september so if you want to find out more about what's going on at your local horticultural society and you haven't seen anything in the local paper you can just go to triple w garden ontario so one word gardenontario.org Click on Societies. You'll see a little tab that says Societies. And then every society across Ontario is listed alphabetically by location. Right. So, for example, my local is the Richmond Hill uh, Garden and Horticultural Society. So, you go to R for Richmond Hill. It comes up, shows you where they meet, when they meet, you know, it's whatever it is, second or third Wednesday of every month. That agent court uh, area is huge oh, it's a in terms of gardening yeah. and... Yeah. Well, that's right, because there are some real, there are gardeners gardening there that have been doing it for a long time. And yes. it's, it's great land. I mean, that yes. was prime agricultural land before it was turned into a subdivision. So there's, yeah, lovely, lovely gardens in there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're, and they're a great club. They're very fun people. Well, they keep you updated. They do, and as after, they should. After I did the first show with you and mm-hmm. we were talking about them, mm-hmm. I got a few emails from them, did too, you? inviting me to different things. Oh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And that's because, you know what? Friendliest people in the world. Yeah. Gardeners. They are. They really are. Yeah. All right, I think we have to go for a bit of a break and then hope, I think we have some calls. Oh, good. Let's do that and come back. Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. Robbie Lane here on AM740 with Charlie Dobbin, and no sooner said than done, we we gave out the phone numbers and people are on the line. But Charlie. of course. And there's... Eva is calling in and she has a question. Good morning, Eva. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. You're very welcome. 
Um, I have a problem with my bougainvillea. Mm-hmm. It's got white spots on the leaves. Hmm. Um, white spots that would be like little fuzzy white spots? No, or? no. They look like uh, transparent. Hmm. The plant is outside? Uh, it's in a solarium. It's in a solarium. And it's blooming. Great. Okay, so, um, but white, not... Because when I think of leaf spots, like spots on leaves becoming dead, areas that are no longer green, whether they're white or pale, pale, pale yellow, sometimes that can be from burning, from actual sunburn to the leaves. Could it possibly be some fertilizer splashed onto the leaves and, and left a little burn spot behind? No, I don't think so. Could it be too much of sunshine? Um, the, the crazy thing is, is that the bougainvillea loves the sun, and which is why it's blooming. Mm-hmm. Are there a lot of these spots, or just a few leaves have spots? Um, quite a few of them have it, but they're scattered all over on the branches. Hmm. Because there, I mean, there's no ev- you see no evidence of any insects whatsoever. You've looked closely under the leaves and on, obviously on top of the leaves, but from below, you've looked to make sure there's nothing in the way of a pest on the plant, right? No, I spray the plants. Mm-hmm. Make sure there are no aphids or anything like that. What do you spray with? Um, an insect spray. Okay, is it a insect spray? Is it a soap spray? Do you think, or is it? No, some... no, no. It's just a spray. It's just a spray. Okay, so what I would suggest is when you're using that, and when you you spray with that spray, it's important that the, you do not do it at high noon when the sun is really beating in on the plant. Okay. So if you're going to spray. Um, as a as a way to eliminate any insects on a plant because the sprays we use nowadays are contact sprays they will kill insects on contact so usually we use them when we see evidence of insects um, and do that very early in the day or late in the day i think the spots you're seeing could be damaged from the spray just from between the hot sun because it's you know, obviously pretty intense sun we've been having right. and spray residue on the leaves that can sometimes burn the leaves I think that's probably what's happened. So just try and use your spray either early or late. Um, same with your watering, preferably early or late uh, in the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, and don't or don't take it out of the sun because that plant, like I say, it loves the sun, which is why it's probably looking as pretty as it is with the flowers. Right. Okay. Thank okay. you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Eva. Probably late in the day would be better, wouldn't it? Because then it has all overnight to sort of dissipate so it wouldn't be on the leaves as much or well okay I'm just so jumping in here that's a, that's a good point um the one reason why we don't typically do a lot of watering late in the day is no, i'm beca- talking about spraying well or even spraying so yeah the question of if the spray is going to be on the plant and be effective by being on the plant longer you're right late in the day then it's there potentially annihilating any insects that are on the plant um, inside the house, though, it's unlikely that she's got a lot of insects going on. But, yeah. you know, sometimes we bring new plants in and insects come in, so you have to be very, very careful of that. But generally speaking, the best time to do any spraying, whether watering or with an insecticide or a fungicide, is early in the day. Okay. Then the leaves are nice and dry as, as uh, night comes. All right. Because dry leaves are important. We eliminate and we avoid uh, diseases. With Will you straighten me out on dry that? Dry leaves. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that was a good question. Oh, well, thank you. I didn't even call in. I know. You got your freebie. <laughs> That's right. And Pam is on the line and she's calling from, where's she calling from? From Brampton. From Brampton. Yeah. Good morning, Pam. Good morning. Uh, what, what have you got for Charlie? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that I enjoy your show. We listen to it very frequently and uh, I've learned a lot of things. Thank now you. Now I need, I need some help. Okay. We have um, peppers in our garden, 
and they're rotting at the bottom before they they fully uh, grow mm-hmm. and they don't know how to prevent this okay so you have something called blossom end rot because that that bottom part of the pepper is where the blossom bit was and it's actually something that we start seeing now uh, on the tomatoes and sometimes on peppers which are of course all members of the same family right. it, it's caused by a calcium deficiency okay. calcium in your soil mm-hmm. um, now as far as we know it's one of those things that initially we used to say it was calcium deficiency so that any of those fertilizers that go onto our vegetables should have added calcium but sometimes it's not just that it's the um, there's calcium there the plant just can't access it so main thing with, with our peppers, with our tomatoes, with our eggplants, even with our cucumbers, is to make sure that we keep the soil evenly moist through the entire growing season. Mother Nature never works with us on that. We get lots of rain and then no rain for two weeks and then lots of rain again. So mulching, do you mulch your vegetable garden at all? Like with some good, you know, either newspapers or bark mulch? Or um, well, I've been trying to convince my husband to do that, but he's not believing me. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, honestly, well, to, fix them now. It, well, it's one of the best ways to maintain an even soil moist, moisture is to mulch, even if it's not the entire garden, at least mulch around right. the plants. And beat your husband if he doesn't do it. <laughs> He's a really good guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm gonna Just send beat him gently. Robbie over. <laughs> <clears throat> Because that's one of the, you know, and we'll see that we see splitting in the skin of our tomatoes for that same reason, the, Mm -hmm. you know, ups and downs in the moisture levels. Um, When you are doing any fertilizing, make sure it's a low nitrogen fertilizer uh, because that, again, we can just over fertilize our plants and get too much expand, you know, too much growth and then the water, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, an excess ammonium, which is what nitrogen fertilizer is all about, Mm -hmm. um, it reduces calcium uptake. So that's the other thing. So it's it's a real soil chemistry thing that you got going on in your vegetable garden. Uh, try not to disturb when you're if you're removing weeds and things. Don't do a lot of disturbing of the right. soil. Just you know pull the weeds. Right. Uh, not too much cultivating or, or hoeing, uh, just because you can damage roots. And of course, if you damage roots, then you're limiting the plant's ability to uptake things like calcium. Um, and um, well-drained soil, full sun, these are all important things for, for good vegetable gardens. Avoiding soggy soil uh, is important. And the old organic matter, whether it's mm-hmm. fall or spring, crank uh, some manure, some good you know, right. compost into the soil. Make sure it's got a good, you know, lots of organic content to your soil. And again, that will help keep the soil from drying out too quickly as well. So that that's the one thing that really to avoid blossom end rot, whether it's yeah, cucumbers, peppers, tomatoes, uh, is, is just that even soil moisture, mulching when you can, and remember the calcium thing. Now, some people will crush up eggshells, okay. sprinkle them in the soil. It's a very slow way to get calcium in there, but it's a, a good way uh, doing that as well. Or a tomato fertilizer will always have calcium as part of it. Okay. Great. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank You're you, Pam. You're so welcome. Have a nice day. You, too. you too. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And I think, um, are we going to take a little break? I and, think we have to, yep. Yeah, we'll take a little break, and then we'll, Korsha, I think, is on the yes. line, and uh, we'll talk to her after. We'll be right back. There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. Brought to you by Scott's. And we are back on AM740 with Charlie Dobbin, Robbie Lane here, and I'll give you the phone numbers one more time again. Locally, 416-360-0740 or anywhere in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. And we do have some callers on the line, and I believe Korsha 
is next. Good morning, Corsha. Yes, I'm here. Oh, good. Well, good do you have a question for Charlie? Yes. Uh, I have a couple of uh, months, uh, fall months that I've planted. They come up every year, but this year I tried to buy some new ones, mm-hmm. and they're advertising them as annuals. So they won't grow every year? Okay, so that's actually a really good question. Um, this is the time of year now that when we go into our grocery stores or our garden centers yes. or you know our Home Depots, any of that, there's just masses of colorful mums for sale in full bloom. And as you said, sometimes they're being actually advertised as annuals for a couple of reasons. One is I think the retailer doesn't want to have to guarantee these plants because many retailers will guarantee perennial plants. But what they are selling actually are, in most cases, truly perennial mums. But when we plant them in late August, early September, the ability of that plant to get enough root out and grown and settled in, you know, enough establishment going on and taking place, the ability of that plant to survive through the winter and come back next spring is very good. If you put some of those fall blooming mums into your garden in late September or any time in October or November, everything's cooled down so much, the plants are slowing down, there is no root growth and the chance of survival for next year is very, very low. So I think the retailers are just basically covering their own personal Backsides oh, uh, and calling them annuals. Because I saw some really good ones; mm-hmm. they were on sale, but they advertised as annuals. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, there's no point in getting them. Well, there are annual mums, and you, they're the ones that you see. Well, they're not really. I mean, they're annual in the sense that they're so tender they don't survive the winter. They're typically are re- referred to as florist mums. And they're the ones we see for sale inside the store right year-round. You'll see yeah. mums for sale in grocery stores and garden centers indoors, and those are florist mums, and generally speaking, they are not hardy enough to survive. The ones you'll buy outside the store and that are you know really coming on now are very likely varieties that are hardy enough. So even though they'll be sold as annuals, they're very likely to survive if you get them in the ground. They will not survive in pots above ground. So okay. that'll make the difference as well. So for sure, if you're hoping to have them survive, assume they will and look for them next spring. Expect them to be there if you're getting them in the ground in the next month. Oh, okay. Okay. By next month, eh? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank okay. you, Korsha. Yes. Thanks. You, you have a good call. day. Thank you. You're Thanks welcome. A lot. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. And you know, the other thing about mums is that in the spring, they're a bit slow to come up. So we tend to think that they're dead. Yeah. Because the root is alive underground. When it does come up, it's just these little sort of crinkly looking green leaves and of course we don't think of mums as plants with just little crinkly green leaves we think of them with big beautiful flowers yeah so that's what you've got to watch for in the spring is those little leaves coming up and of course they're going to be green in your garden all spring all summer and not actually flower till august september yeah yeah um as opposed so to- really it's probably worth buying some of those hardier mums the ones mm-hmm. that are outside and get them in your garden now get them in your garden now enjoy them this fall and expect to see them coming up next spring and recognize they're going to be a green plant all spring and summer yeah giving you flowers later in the season so that's what we need right we always need that extra zap of something new i mean i tell you my petunias are looking pretty scraggly they could <laughs> definitely be replaced and mums are the best well charlie if your petunias petun- <laughs> are looking scraggly. I can't imagine what mine look like. <laughs> I don't know if I want to look. No, you, you don't want to look. You don't want to look. Ingrid, I think, is on the line. Ingrid, are you there? 
I am. Well, good. Um, good morning. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, thank you for taking my question. I have a peony, which I just treasure. But I've got four of them, but this one here has a multicolors in the bloom, three mm. colors. Nice. And I've never seen anything like it. And it's being squeezed out by other plants around it. So I want to transplant it. Is there anything special I can do to protect that plant, um, transplanting it? Well, your timing is perfect because now now and over the next any time in the next four to six weeks, preferably the next four weeks, is your time to transplant peonies. Okay. Okay, because spring blooming or early blooming perennials are transplanted in the fall. So yeah. uh, and that way we don't risk not seeing them flower. What yeah. do you do to ensure the best possible chance of survival of this plant? And peonies are good. They're tough. They're not that hard to transplant. Okay. Prepare the spot you're going to plant this, uh, move the plant to. Yes. It must be full sun. Yes. Full sun meaning a minimum of six hours of direct sun every day. Yes. The soil should be similar to what we were talking about for the vegetable garden. Lots of organic material, well-drained. You know, a good fertile soil uh, is where you're going to be planting into because you can't change the soil afterwards. You've got to fix it beforehand. Right. When? I, I use three in one always. Okay, which is fine. And yeah. and uh, and as long as, because three in one, of course, is theoretically is one third peat moss, one third garden soil, and one third manure, which is right. all good organic mm-hmm. matter, and you know makes for a good right. soil. And uh, so you you know where you're going with the plant. You've got your whole dog, if you will, or at least the area roughed up and loosened up. Yes. Yeah. What I would do is I would cut the, the peony down. I would yeah. cut it right down so that the leaves, the stems How are... How far down? Oh, about three, four inches tall. Okay. So all leaves are removed at that point. All you've got is a little sort of stem standing up. Yeah. With a digging fork, you'll dig down around. You'll Because you, you can see where the peony tuber is it's like very almost on the surface of the soil but depending how long it's been there i mean it can be quite a large root mass that you're going to pick up yeah so instead of using a shovel use a digging fork dig down loosen this whole thing so that it's loose in the ground lift it up out of the ground take a look at it see what it looks like you'll you'll see it's it's like almost a bunch of potatoes attached together Uh, now you can at this point separate this plant into several plants wow or you can transplant it as it sits you know as it is as this large i mean depending how long it's been there large root mass about uh, three four years okay so um and you you know know, they always say as long as you've got one eye and you it's very clear where you'll see the next year's buds are just there little shiny red eyes are right on the root and that's next year's growth so with a sharp knife you can you can chop this this sort of root mass up into several plants or okay. like I say transplant as it is the main trick with with peonies is never bury them deep where you're moving it to it you're going to almost lay that in right on the surface that wow it's uh, the the surface Won't the squirrels eat the, no, uh, the bulb then? No, no the top surface of the the root mass or the tuber is right at ground level so you're going to still see those little red eyes. They're going to still be above ground after you've planted this plant. So you're. So rough... I don't have to dig that deep then to no. get it out. No, you'll find that it's fairly. It should be fairly shallow in your garden. Okay. If it's been flowering, then it's been planted at the right depth. The yeah. the main reason why peonies don't flower is that they get planted too deep, mm-hmm. and so that's why it's probably at the right depth now. So you're aiming to put it at that same depth again, okay. remembering that it's going to sink a bit when you start watering. Okay. So a little yeah. bit high, and it will it will settle in. Use that's another question: watering. Our water in Kitchener is so hard, and I do water. I try to water once a week because that's all we're allowed. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I don't always manage it, but uh, will that uh, city water harm the peony? Because it, it harms my roses. Yes, it does. The probably. roses all, uh, you know, get sick. They they don't like all that like, no. chlorine. They don't like. They just like the rainwater. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say you are a perfect uh, candidate for a rain barrel. Have you got a rain barrel? No, I don't have any place to set it up. No, I, well, the other thing is watering cans. Yeah. Um, put that city water, that tap water, into watering cans and let it sit out at least 24 hours okay. just outside. And you'll find, number one, it'll come to, to ambient temperature, which is better than the cold stuff coming out of the tap. You'll yeah. also find that a lot of that, those chlorines and fluorines will off-gas, if you will. They will actually evaporate from the soil, from the uh, water, so mm-hmm. that you'll find that the water is a better quality for sitting out for at least 24 hours. Don't leave it longer than that without a screen or something over top. Otherwise, you're setting up a you know mosquito breeding grounds. Yeah. Uh, nothing wrong with a few pails of water, but make sure you've got some kind of a lid or a screen on top. That's all. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely mm-hmm. do that. The thing is, I watered the lawn, which is joining yeah. that flower bed, yeah. and I can't control the uh, the spray then uh, that close. Is it you've got an in-ground irrigation system? No, okay. no, it's not. Well, so could you, uh, you couldn't adjust your sprinkler to keep off the that area? Well, there's many, many other plants in that flower bed that need water. Right. Well, that's a challenge. Um. <laughs> Why do you put a screen over the peony? Yeah, you can't. No, I'm, well, like you said, you're going to move the peony to a really open, full sun location. So is it yes. going to be going in right into that area near in that bed that you're referring to? Yes. There's room in there? Yes. Um, I wouldn't be overly concerned. I mean, the main no. thing is is get it moved, uh, a handful of bone meal or yes, transplanter. Yes, blood and bone meal. I've got, always used blood and bone meal. Okay. The blood and bone meal uh, it wouldn't be my first choice when I'm transplanting. It would just be... A bone meal that I would use, which is the phosphorus. Okay. Blood and bone meal has got a bunch of nitrogen in there, which you don't really want when you're transplanting. You just want the high phosphorus to encourage roots. Okay. So Scott's makes a product called Quick Start, which is a liquid, very easy to work with, mix in water in your watering can and water, or a handful of just straight bone meal when transplanting. Thank you. Get those roots growing, water once, and you're good to go. Thank you so, so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you for calling, Ingrid. Bye-bye. I don't think her city water could have been doing her much damage if she's had such success so far. That's true. Yeah. It's true. So, but it, city water can be pretty, you know, high yeah. in, uh, in extra added yes. things that are really salts, right? That's yeah. what they are, the chlorines and stuff. And it's the salt that will do damage. So you'll, And it'll affect the pH of your soil. It has all kinds of impact. So really nice if you can get on. I mean, that's all of us should be on, you know, a rainwater system. It's so crazy that we use all this expensive mm. treated yes, city water yes. to wash our cars and, you know, pl- water yeah. our gardens. And, of course, the last thing the gardens want is, you know, fluoride and chlorine. They much prefer rainwater. And so, you know, in a perfect world, we would all have, you know, cisterns and reservoirs on our on our property that would collect rainwater. And we'd use that for flushing our toilets and, yeah. and all that stuff. When I was growing up, everybody in our neighborhood had a rain barrel. Yeah. Everybody. It was just normal. What, what normally Where'd you grow did. up? In the Young Shepherd area. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was just, yeah, it was one of those things. Yep. As opposed to sending it all out to the, the storm sewers, yeah. which is what they sort of started doing at some point, yep, tying right. in all the eaves troughs to the storm sewers. You know, I heard Ingrid gasp when you said, take a knife, and because that's her prize <laughs> peonies. <laughs> I heard her gasp. <laughs> no, she I, just had a hard time imagining that, eh? Yeah. <laughs>
It's true. Don't be afraid. Actually, and, and if, you know, don't break them always. If you're going to do severing, do a nice sharp knife. Yeah. Clean wounds heal much faster than any, any kind of broken wounds. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. Yes, I thought you would. All right, Bracebridge. Uh, okay, can we do Bracebridge quickly? Talk to Bob. Yeah, Bob. All Good right. morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning, and Charlie's here for you. Good morning, yeah. Bob. Yes, good morning, Charlie. I was curious. I've got a flowering crab, and this year it is loaded with uh, apples. Mm-hmm. Is there any way that they can be utilized as a dessert or anything? Oh. I know crab apples themselves are delicious, but I'm kind of leery about these. Little, they're small, uh-huh. very tiny, but the tree is just loaded this year with them. So it must have flowered. I'm curious as to whether any use could be made of them. I think the most traditional use people make of crab apples is jelly. Crab apple jelly. Uh, Because it does tend to be very tart. So that's why you make a jelly, not so much of a jam, but an actual jelly, because it's very pretty when you make a jelly, uh, because it's that clear, beautiful pink jelly. And, of course, a lot of sugar goes into it to to make it palatable. Otherwise, it does tend to dry the saliva right out of your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, that's sort of the traditional is crab apple jelly. I'm happy to bring with me next week a crab apple jelly recipe, if you like. Oh, that'd be terrific. Okay, because I, I remember uh, having uh, used one in the past that worked quite nicely. It was quite delicious. I and know, I know in the old days you used to get crab apples and you'd put them in. My mother used to do them in, in a sugary uh, solution and then put a couple of cloves in. and Oh, they were delicious. Yeah, and so it almost like a crab apple sauce. That's right. And yeah. you'd have that with ice cream or, oh. or just on to die for yeah exactly <laughs> well there you go so well thank you there, very much there's some good recipes out there I'll, I'll haul a few in with me next week and we can talk more about crab apples but you obviously had a great flowering year if you've got that many crab apples oh dear yes they mm. were just beautiful this year mm, good just beautiful well thank you for calling Bob yeah thanks thank for you. sharing that have a great day bye for now bye bye phone numbers once again are 416-360-0740 toll free from Ontario 1-866-740 4740. We'll take a short break and Charlie will take your call maybe next. You supply the what and where and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM 740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. AM 740 and we are with Charlie Dobbin, Robbie Lane here, and everybody who I tell I'm doing the garden show with Charlie Dobbin, they say, well, what do you know about gardens? And I say, well, that's why I'm here. I'm learning. (laughs) You're the sous chef. (laughs) That's what I am. John, you are here calling from Mississauga. How are you doing this morning, John? Good morning. I'm fine, thank you. How are you guys? We're well. Great. That's good. Nice to hear you again because it's very interesting and I learn a lot from you guys. Good. So, uh, uh, Johnny, I called you before, uh, first of all, regarding my fruit trees. Um, and I'm spraying, uh, I have uh, 10 fruit trees, but anyway, uh, the, the pears are gone. And uh, the apples, it seems like some of them, um, they have like that small thing at the, at the edge. And I've been, I've been spraying with Bordeaux, like you told me. Uh-huh. Um, is that take care of this problem? Okay, so Bordeaux is a fungicide. It's uh-huh. copper sulfate, and it's used to prevent fungal diseases. Uh-huh. However, if insects infested your apples or your pears or your peaches way back early in the spring, uh-huh. uh, and we're talking like tiny little insects that you wouldn't even see at that point, but they slowly but surely grow as the fruit grows, uh, then yes, the Bordeaux is not not controlling insects at all. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, that's the trick with fruit trees. That's really the trick. So what shall I use, though, for the insect? Well, remember we talked about the importance of the dormant spray. Yes, I did, though. I've and done you that. did that when they were dormant, way uh-huh. back, you know, in the dormant time. Yeah. Then, of course, the trick is they start to flower, so we don't spray when they're flowering. And yeah, then right yes. as soon as they finish flowering, we start to spray again. And the I know, it's, I wish there was an easy way around this. Back in the day when we were allowed to use all kinds of insecticides yeah, and yeah. pesticides. Never had this problem. No, because <clears throat> we had these lovely little pre-mixed insecticide fungicide sort of fruit tree sprays and we could just go out on the calendar and spray every 10 days and really control a lot of problems before they became problems so what do you do now now it's it's as you're discovering it's it's a lot trickier and um probably i mean this where you really have to be visiting your trees every single day you have to be watching and monitoring yeah you do so you i know you're in a position to really monitor the weather because weather has a lot to do with fungus particularly um insects come and go depending on the time of year and get into our fruit trees, again, depending on what state they're in. So we spray for certain insects at certain times of year, and then we also monitor the weather to to try and control any fungal diseases. For you, as a retired guy with that many fruit trees, I would suggest, do you have access to the Internet? Yes, I do, yes. Have you ever gone to the website that the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture and Food has? Um, It's OMAF, is the, um, is the, the government website. And they have really, really good information and and timely information about how to care for your fruit trees through the season. Yeah. What's and, the name of it again? Well, oh, okay, so oh, it's OMAF. OMAF, O-M-A-F, so Ontario Ministry oh, of okay. Agriculture and Food. Uh-huh. And then part of the name as well is Rural Affairs. So I think it's actually OMAFRA, O-M-A-F-R-A. Okay. And I'm just looking because here I know I've got they, they've got a whole good thing about testing your soil. They've got some really good um, information sheets. They, a lot of it comes out of the University of Guelph. Just Google um, or you know use your search engine and put in um, you know fruit tree care yeah. and look for information from Canada only or from your local only because yeah, yeah. you're not interested in what how they do this in Texas, right? It's all much so more important. Things we can use for insecticide at the moment then. At the moment, you would be using a horticultural oil at summer um, mix levels, yeah, which I've is done that. yeah, I've you done have, that. and that's again, it's hard if your if your fruit trees are really really dense with leaves, etc., because it's all about contact. The oil has to contact the insect in order to annihilate it. Mm-hmm. It's not just kind of a general misty spray; it's a real thorough from above, from below, from every side kind of yeah, spray. Well, I'd really soak it when I do that. Do you? Yeah, and of course oil isn't okay, that pretty so to... Anyway, that's, so I, because I don't hold it. Um, uh, okay, so that's one I, I, I look into. If I may ask you another question now regarding not only mine, but my neighborhood and my, my son's neighborhood. Um, this this uh, sort of weed that we're having in the grass, which I've never seen as much before, it looks like crabgrass, and it's got like kind of a dense root. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me what is it, Charlie, or what can we do to prevent it too? It's not crabgrass that you're seeing. No, it's definitely no. not. It's shiny and bright green. Yes, and grows faster than everything else. Yes, and it, it, it actually it even grows, uh, you know, even on sort of sidewalk, whatever. You know, it's not only in the grass. Hmm. And to tell you the truth, I was listening to CTV, and the mm-hmm. guy, the guy, one of the announcers there, one of the uh, newscasters, you know, he was talking about his lawn too. He said <laughs> that he's been on his knees. 
and I've been too, especially <laughs> with my son, m- m- more than mine. Uh, can you tell me what is it, if you know what I'm referring to? Um, I think I know what you're referring to, but I can't tell you what it is. Uh-huh. So I'm going to tell you next week what it is, oh, to give you an actual name. But bottom line, you're right. you got to pull it. Uh, in the lawn, the only way you're going to uh, get rid of that that particular grass is by pulling it out. Mm-hmm. In the cracks in the sidewalk, etc., of course, you can use any oh, of no. the, um, the very strong vinegar solutions to, to control it. Uh-huh. Uh, or pulling, of course. Yeah. Uh, or even, you know, they've got flamethrowers and all kinds of ways to control weeds in sidewalks. And while you're on your knees, John, yeah. pulling, pulling those weeds, pray for less weeds. I do. <laughs> okay. I do all the time, my friend. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks, John. Thanks Thank for calling. You. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> well, <laughs> what can you do the, with uh, the way we try and control our weeds these days and the fewer in, uh, things that we have to use, we're going to end up with more weeds. That's what happens. Well, that's right. And remember, one person's weed is another person's lovely, cherished plant. Yeah. So I think we just have to recognize that our, our expectations have to change. Yes. We, we don't. We aren't growing golf greens anymore in the no. suburbs and and you know unless you drive to buffalo and buy the stuff you're not supposed to get <laughs> but we wouldn't don't suggest go that there, no. no no but speaking of which um uh unfortunately i wasn't able to answer every one of john's questions there but I, I will come back next week with the actual name if he's interested of that grass remember two weeks ago we had a call from uh Riety in unionville and her question was something was chewing her cucumbers and that was that blossom end again. And she yeah. was convinced there was teeth marks in the cucumber. Yes. Something was chewing. And, you know, it wasn't that blossom end rot we were talking about. Um, I got an email from one of our listeners. And the uh, listener, the email recommended or suggested perhaps it was groundhogs that were coming through, taking little bites out of the cucumbers. Maybe. Just a thought. And certainly in Unionville, for sure, there's groundhogs. Oh, yeah. It could be. So um, it, it definitely, you know, it's one of those, you got to... It's a snow fence time or, you know, <laughs> it's the old get out the, the netting and protect because you're not going to, unless you're going to sit there with a shotgun, you're not going to be able to control things like groundhogs no. uh, with anything other than a barrier. So that'd be the best way to, Sounds like that's what you think it is. Yeah, it's not the dog. It's not the cat. No. Not a bunny rabbit. <laughs> Might be a groundhog. Yeah, probably is. <laughs> okay. Do we have time to take another call or we got to take a little break? All right, we'll take a little break and come back with more Charlie Dobbin before you know it. Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And we are back, and uh, we've got a couple of callers that we're going to try and squeeze in before the top of the hour. Charlie Dobbin is here, and I believe Warner is calling from Whitby. Good morning, Warner. Good morning, Robin and Charlie. Good morning. Thank you. I have a problem with my zucchini plant. Mm. It, uh, it looks healthy. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, flowers are on, and then it gets a little zucchini, about two, three inches, and then it turns yellow and falls off. Hmm. So I thought you were going to say it's got a lot of flowers, but no zucchinis are forming. So, okay, so you're actually getting little zucchinis forming. Then they're turning yellow and falling off. They fall off. Yep. Okay, so the question is why. One thing, two things come to mind. One is... Adequate air circulation. Have you got the zucchini out in an area where wind and air and sun is actually penetrating into the plant in under the leaves? Or is it all kind of crammed in with other, other vegetables? No, I have it in a wine barrel. Oh, okay. The wine barrel is about two inches across and uh, a foot high. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, it's it keeps coming back, but it repeats the same problem. Hmm. Like... 
the leaves turn yellow, one section dies off, another one comes nice and green, has the flower, and then it doesn't produce. Okay, so tell me about the soil that's in the barrel. What kind of soil is that? I put mixtures, mixture in of mulch and uh, black topsoil black. and sand. And sand, okay. And how, like, was it kind of a one-third, one-third, one-third yeah, mix? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I was going to say that one of the things that will never work well in a, in a raised garden, like a, like a wine barrel or any kind of a, a big pot, yeah. is a heavy soil. Uh, drainage is so important when we're, when we're gardening in containers that the black earth tends to be very soggy and really hold the moisture. So uh-huh. if you've got a good gritty sand in there and the drainage is sufficient, then that shouldn't be a problem. But that, that's one of the trickiest things, like I say, about, about uh, container gardening. The other would be fertilizer. Have you been fertilizing at all? Uh, no. Okay. I have poured a little bit of uh, Epsom salt mixture. Okay. And uh, that tomato stuff, oh, I put okay. a little bit on that. Okay, so you pour a little bit of Epsom salt, like maybe a, t- a tablespoon or two? Or? Yeah. Okay. Um, and how often are you watering? Almost every day. Okay, and is that based on the fact that the sun is shining, or are you actually checking, digging down with your fingers to see if the plant needs water? I'm wondering if maybe you're no, over... No, I have, uh, I, I water, like I have a, a bottle, you know, one of those uh, one liter plastic bottles. Right that I put next to the root and put holes in it and right. I put the water into that. Okay. Okay, so, um, all right, and it just slowly leaks out and you just keep filling the bottle every day. Yeah. Okay. I My impulse right now is to think that it's there's it's getting too much water. Uh-huh. That would be my impulse just based on the fact that the, you know, the yellowing, the rotting, the dropping of the, the little baby plant, little baby fruits, uh-huh. that's what it indicates to me. So before you fill that little bottle up with water again, get out... Um, you know, a small fork or a trowel and take a little dig down and look down two, three inches, feel the moisture level in the soil before you do any further watering. Uh, Rain is in the forecast tomorrow anyway, Um, but so like I say, don't be putting any any water on it today unless it truly needs water because that would be my concern that you're just holding too much moisture in that that soil. Okay, Charlie. All righty. You know, with the people with the cucumbers, Mm -hmm. they bite them I stake mine. They're six feet high. Yeah, and nothing Nobody gets can get them. at it. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> and I have uh, water bottles also on the bottom. Uh-huh. And I had a, a good crop of cucumbers. I pickle. I got about twenty-four jars of pickles now. Wow. And they're still blooming and going. Well, we'll be by your house to pick up yes. a jar of pickles. pickles. Yeah, <laughs> you have to get the address first. <laughs> <laughs> and are you growing those cucumbers in in barrels as well? No, no, they're in, the, they're in the garden. Okay, okay. They're in the garden. Okay. Well, good for you. Oh, and well, good luck with that. Let us know how it works out. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks so much. Thank you, Warner. Thanks for calling. Okay, bye bye. Have a great weekend. You too. And I think we've got time for. uh, Well, maybe we do a quick. Uh, Really, really, really. It has to be really fast. Bill from Uxbridge. Are you there? Morning, Bill. Bill. Oh, Bill, you there? Doesn't sound like it. No. Bill's had to go do something else. Yes, he has. (laughs) He he had us on hold. I think. Uh, Should we try Maria? I think we're too tight on time here. We yeah. better not. But um, <clears throat> remember, just like you said so well, Robbie, call early, call often, one question per caller. Yes. And that way, you know, you don't have to sit on hold for too long. So next week, I'm back. Good. I believe Frank will be here next week. He will week. be here. I want to thank you so much, Robbie. You've been a wonderful sous chef in well, training. thank you. 
And, yeah, uh, don't say that too often because Frank gets very upset. Why? Well, you know, he it's, wants to be the sushi. He is a sushi. He doesn't chef. want anyone else in training. Well, that's <laughs> well. He, then he better be here. Yeah. <laughs> Stop fooling around with some busker festival. That's I mean, right. What are the priorities? <laughs> Thank you for uh, having me. Oh, my pleasure. And don't let your friends bug you about what do you know about gardening. I no, mean, I'm on. learning. Absolutely, yeah. we're all learning. Of course. Just because I think I know everything doesn't mean I really do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks so much, everybody. Thanks, Andre. You did a fine job. Nice to see you back. And and the car guys are. Here, yeah, so those crazy car guys we, have arrived. We so better uh, let them take over the airwaves. The, uh, they'll be up after Bob Shepard in the news and uh, more on AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.